who were the worst players on the Packers last year and how many of them are still on the team this year, which means those guys have something to prove. Andy Herman joins me to help break it all down. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Whatever you do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. We're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Andy Herman on today's show, which what with what I think will be, if I can speak properly, a really fun conversation because Andy has been really good at predicting over the years. He does these grades. He's not pro football focused. He just is a guy. And in this case, he's been a very successful guy at essentially predicting what players will not be on the team because they didn't play well. And you, you look at guys who are going to be free agents and some guys who are just going to be outright cut because they didn't play well enough. And I think it's also an interesting way to look forward because it will tell us who has pressure on them to perform. And if you think of the guys who are under the most pressure to perform this season, a lot of them are players who did not have good seasons last year or who have not developed in the way that we thought they would, young players, etc. So I think it's good to get a feel for who those players are, at least according to Andy's grades. I don't think he's going to have any crazy, shocking answers, but that's part of the deal too. And, and you know what? He might. He might. And there may be some interesting answers on the good side. In fact, I know for a fact there is a couple where you're going you're gonna to go, oh, wait a second. That's interesting. So a fun conversation coming up with Andy. Before we get there, let's talk about a new sponsor to the show, Dave. Have you ever had just needed a little bit of extra money, been a little short? Listen, my first job out of college, I was making nothing, next to nothing, just enough to, to pay my bills barely. I had credit card debt. It was It was not great. It was not ideal. Well, Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a gift, catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that you've been stressing about without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded Dave to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app from the app store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for the extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provo- provided by Evolve, member FDIC. And which NFL stars moved the betting line the most? We started on Monday on the Locked On NFL feed talking about the top 50 list according to Bet Online. Locked On NFL, wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Joining me now from... Packer Report and from the Pack-A-Day podcast, Andy Herman. And Andy, you are you do not work for PFF, but you do dig into the film every week and do your own sort of grading system. And as much as I don't like to admit it, you have been surprisingly good at identifying, essentially, players who were bad enough that the team decides, we've seen enough. 
whether it is because they draft someone or because they let them walk in free agency. This has been true the last couple of years. You have been bang on with this stuff. So that's why I wanted to have you in. Thank you. See who might have some pressure on them to see who could be have their, their starting spots up for grabs, who just needs to play better. So let's start at the bottom of the proverbial barrel. Who was the worst Packers starter last year? Yeah, you bet. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Always appreciate it. Always fun talking with you. And I appreciate the shout out there. Um, it's actually interesting. I'll give you my lowest guy in a second, but I didn't looked at this since I finished up my review last year. And it was interesting to see six of my lowest 10 no longer on the team right now, actually. So um, yeah, there we go. Um, but if we're looking at lowest graded starter, there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, number well, wait, one, first, who, are the, who are the six? Yeah, the six that are no longer on the team. Um, this is on a per play basis, and this is a minimum of 200 snaps. So just to clarify there. So uh, my lowest six that are no longer with the team, Lucas Patrick, Billy Turner, uh, Henry Black, Kingsley Kiki, Kevin King, and Tyler Lancaster. So those are my six that are no longer on the roster. Um, another player, I think that there's a very good chance will not be on the team come the 53. That is Jonathan Garvin was also on that list. So there's a decent chance that seven of the 10 of the lowest graded players on a per play basis will not be back with the team this upcoming season. That That's pretty effective numbers right there. So in terms of starters, because Lucas Patrick was a starter, he's gone. So the, 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 Lowest graded returning starter is who? Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, you're good. So the lowest graded returning starter would probably be, depending on how you're viewing Yash Neijman, would either be Yash Neijman or Royce Newman. Um, if those two are sort of your fringe starters, those would be the two that were my lowest graded that could come back and play a starting role. Um, the only other one that would be in consideration there would be Josiah DeGuara. But again, depends on how you view starters. You're starting H-back probably. Um, but those would be the three. So we, we think that that Yash is going to be starting out there for Elton Jenkins or for David Bakhtiari, depending on what happens. Hopefully, David Bakhtiari is out there at left tackle. Royce Newman was the preferred starter last year. So to, for me, that seems like Royce Newman is the guy, and it shouldn't be surprising, right? Think of how we started this conversation. What did the Packers do in the draft? Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, they invested heavily on that interior. It seems like... Royce Newman is under a lot of pr pressure to improve his level of play. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And not only that, but we saw Jake Hansen get reps uh, with the starters. We saw, and granted that was still with Royce Newman in there, uh, but we saw Cole Van Landen get reps with the ones as a, not only just a tackle, but a guard You're as well. In the spring now, right? Yes, exactly. Sorry. In the spring in many camps and OTAs. Um, so it's not impossible that, you know, they're, we know that they're going to play what best five offensive linemen. They're going to give everyone a shot here. And while I think there's a really good chance Royce Newman ends up being one of those guys, there's a really good chance Yash Neisman ends up being one of those guys until Elton Jenkins comes back. I wholeheartedly believe guys like Jake Hansen, Cole Van Lannan, probably Sean Ryan eventually, maybe Zach Tom are going to get their names involved in that conversation. And as we know, again, they're going to play their best five offensive linemen. Who do you think will be the best five week one? Just a quick aside. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, hopefully Bakhtiari. Uh, I'm still going to lean that direction. John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers. And then I'm going to say Royce Newman, Yash Nyman, if I were saying it today. Um, but I do think there's a really good chance that uh, Sean Ryan gets his name in that conversation as well. I think I think Sean Ryan is going to win that right guard job. That's just me. We haven't seen him with the pads on. I, I want to reserve judgment, but I was also really high on Sean Ryan uh, mm -hmm. as a college player too. So um, excited to see him. All right, after Royce Newman, who else are we looking at? 
Yeah. So again, as mentioned, Josiah DeGuar. So those were on the like lowest on a per play basis. We also could look at just who were the lowest graded players overall. So that doesn't take into effect the 200 snap count minimum. It doesn't take into effect on a per play. And now we get a couple other names in there, specifically on defense, Darnell Savage, who was my second lowest graded defender uh, a season ago. Um, and then we add one on offense as well, although to a lesser extent, even though we didn't play a ton, uh, Juwan Winfrey ended up in that category as well. Yeah. So those would be a couple other players that we know Winfrey's going to have to do everything he can in that wide receiver room uh, to earn one of those top, probably even seven spots. Um, and again, Darnell Savage clearly going to be a starter this upcoming season. But um, I think we've all kind of talked about, could he be the 11th best player on that starting defense now? And if all of a sudden he gets back to, he was a player I had graded very highly in 2020. If he gets back to that, then, I mean, look the heck out. Yeah, this is this is a, an interesting thing because I, I think everyone agrees that he did not have his best season in 21. But as you mentioned, he was awesome in 2020. If he is the 2020 version of Darnell Savage, he could be like the third or fourth best player on this defense. I mean, that's the crazy thing about how talented this defense is. What is your hypothesis on what went wrong for him last year? Yeah, that's a great question. Before we get there, just to clarify that, I had him as my fifth highest graded defender in 2020. So, I mean, he was only behind Kenny Clark, uh, Zadarius Smith in that season, Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos. And then it was Darnell Savage. Pretty good, pretty good players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, and then unfortunately this past season ended up being again, my, my second lowest graded defender behind only Jonathan Garvin, uh, on the whole in the season. So, mm. um, just a major flip there, uh, to me, I just didn't see the same level of consistency. I thought, I saw, thought we saw him on multiple occasions coming up, trying to make tackles, um, and just not being able to get that done again with a level of consistency. I didn't see him cover as well in 2021 as we we saw in 2020, um, even going sideline to sideline, at least from like a deep center field safety sort of standpoint, I just thought every aspect of Darnell Savage's game uh, took a hit. And it's not that we didn't see the flashes. We still saw the flashes. We still saw him break on balls. We saw him have opportunities for interceptions. Um, unfortunately, a couple drops in there as well. But um, if we can get back to 2020, then again, we're talking about a totally different player and one that helps your team win and is not maybe going in the opposite direction. I, I wonder how much was confidence because. He was playing with he he plays with that that sort of verve that guys like Jerry Alexander play with that Eric Stokes play with Adrian Adrian Amos even where they just look like they're having fun because they play so fast they play so decisively they play with such confidence and I wonder if the scheme change is part of that I just he didn't seem like himself to me the touchdown with Jamar Chase is such a perfect example that ball hung in the air for days. And he just flat missed it when it was coming into Jamar Chase's hands. Like he very easily could have picked or knocked that ball down and he just whiffed on it. And it was just sort of like, what, who is that guy? That's not the guy we saw in 2019 and 2020. So I wonder about confidence with him. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, but I think he's the X factor for this defense. If he plays well, this defense, I mean, they can be lights out after Darnell Savage. And I had a feeling he'd be on the bottom of this list. And I knew Royce Newman would be at the bottom of this list. I'm kind of having a hard time thinking of who the next guy might be. Yeah, there wasn't many. I mean, again, most of them are no longer on the team. Another player that was uh, in that category as well was Chandon Sullivan. Again, not on the team any longer. So uh, there's just not many players left on this team. I get, and that's a, obviously a good thing um, that graded in the negative a season ago. I'm just going to go through really quickly here and go anyone that was graded in the negative, no matter how much they played. Jordan Love, negative 1.8 grade. Kylan Hill had an ever so slight negative in the minimum snaps, minimal snaps that he played. Um, probably another one we could 
discussed with a slight negative grade. And actually, interestingly enough, PFF had, I think, a slightly above average grade on him was Amari Rogers. We talked about Winfrey. We talked mm-hmm. about DeGuara. Um, then it was Royce Newman, Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick. Ben Braden had the ever so slight negative grade and then Yash Nijman. So there's just not a ton on offense on defense. We have a couple more Jack Heflin, slight negative Tyler Lancaster's gone. Um, well, it was Abdullah Anderson was his name. I think had a slight negative Kingsley Kiki. Uh, who else do we got here? Uh, Zadarius actually had a slight negative in his two games that he played in. Chauncey rivers is gone. Ladarius Hamilton, slight negative. It just Tipa had a negative 1.45 grade. So there's another one that could potentially be back summers and Oren Burks in the negative. Um, Shamar Jean Charles in limited playing time. Isaac Adam is gone. And that's that, That's it. So again, a lot of guys that yeah, either wow. a, are no longer on this team or B are not going to probably have, you know, primary roles. The very few that could be Ash Nijman, Darnell Savage, Royce Newman, and not a ton else. Are you surprised that the Packers didn't add a, a sort of more premier version of the third safety? Yeah, uh, there, there's a couple depth positions that I'm surprised on. Um, edge rusher would probably be, even to me, even bigger than safety. Um, I thought once it seems like they're waiting on a veteran to get cut and do the Whitney Merciless thing again. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, but that was slightly surprising to me. I, you know, I always thought Merciless would be back, and then he retired, and um, you know, they haven't really replaced that. So that one is interesting. I, I'm intrigued by Sean Davis. I'm not going to lie. I thought even in mini camps and OTAs, which is nothing, uh, but I thought he looked explosive, which is something. So um, I'm intrigued by him and to see what he can do. Uh, Tariq Carpenter, we know is just a unique sort of player and I'm not sure how he's going to fit with the defense, but again, another sort of intriguing player. So uh, that position, I mean, you know, curious of that fourth corner position, um, you know, you're one injury away in your defensive backfield uh, from having basically uh, an unknown, whether that's a Sean Davis, um, you know, who knows, right. But like th- there's a lot of question marks in the depth on this roster that I think is really one of the bigger question marks as a, overall on this team going into the season. Yeah, when when you have to when you have to talk about the third safety and and the caveat is at least that's something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that that is something, but in a different kind of way. So I'm, I'm surprised, but it seems like their answer is well, but but look at a, look at this shiny Quay Walker that we bought. But it's like okay, but if Adrian Amos goes down, Quay Walker can't literally play safety. Like there's there, there's this idea of having Quay be your sort of dime safety, but he can't actually physically he's not going to play deep half deep middle i think i I, presumably no i totally agree i i think a couple things here as as we talk in that you know the depth overall on defense um i think they're going to be a bit more creative meaning that let's say they don't play a third edge rusher right all right well could they go and i even talked about this the other day could they maybe go some three three five where you've got dean lowry and jaron reed at edge with a kenny clark at tackle and all of a sudden you've got quay walker chris barnes and uh devondre campbell as your linebackers and all of a sudden that looks like a three three five and then all of a sudden quay walker swings over now you've got quay and dean lowry as sort of your edge rushers and then you've got a basically a, a base nickel and now you're without you know preston and gary on the field and you're actually resting them but you're not you, you don't feel like all of a sudden it's now just Tipa and Jonathan Garvin in the game, right? Where you feel like you're not quite the same. So I think they've got maybe some flexibility there. Um, I, you know, on the back end, I agree with you, but I, I almost wonder if like, you know, even 
you know, some of those, those Rams teams, they were able to find some safety, like you're playing a ton of cover too. Right. And finding a cover two safety is probably the easiest safety to find. You're not having like having a guy that's having to play that center field ranging safety, not a ton in man to man coverage, you know, coming up and playing in the slot. Like if that's just what you're doing, you're playing a half of the field and you're making sure that you don't get beat deep. Maybe they're feeling like, Hey, you know what, if we need a handful of games with Sean Davis, we can get by with that. I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but I think that maybe could be some of the thinking on the, the last of depth on the defensive side of the ball you mentioned Juwan Winfrey and Amari Rogers I don't I, I don't think it's 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 at all Veda complete that Juwan Winfrey makes this roster even if he has been a, a spring standout in the past we need to see him I think on the field do it a little bit more although I think physically he's got a lot of tools he's got a lot of things that I like about his game I think he needs to prove it so when it comes to these receivers you did not mention any of their names which means they all graded out well um, or at least above zero in the net positive this past season. Yep. Uh, if you're if you're trying to project forward, who do you think? You know the, the advanced metrics have always loved Alan Lazard, but it's a more limited sample. He's he's got Devontae Adams to play off. Is there anything where you're looking in your your grades here, going? Yeah, I actually think that maybe we're undervaluing how good this player is, and that they could be poised for a, a bit of a breakout this season that's it. That's the question I was going to yeah. add more to, but I don't want to lead you too far. No, no. I think it's a good question. I don't necessarily have that player. Although I will say, I do think, you know, sort of our lasting image of Randall Cobb was that last game where he just didn't do anything against San Francisco. He was coming off the injury and he, you know, just didn't remotely look by him. It looked like himself. Look right. right. Exactly. I think we forget before that, um, I had him graded in the positive in every single game that he played in. I, he actually ended up being one of my highest graded players on offense a season ago. I'm not saying we should expect that. I'm not saying that like, Hey, let's pencil in Randall Cobb for a massive role within this offense. I just think we do forget just how well Randall Cobb was playing prior to the injury. And I do think we have to take that into consideration as well, right? He's older. He can't just consistently take hits over the middle. There's probably going to be some games that he misses this season, but I do think we forget that he was playing some pretty darn good football in the slot prior to leaving. Um, so that was one of the things I look at. I, I've always had, you know, Alan Lazard graded pretty well, but nothing spectacular, which I think uh, probably most play, you know, most people would probably expect. Um, yeah, that personifies really, his game, right? Yeah, exactly. But I, I had a really nice grade on him in uh, in 2020, where he played uh, a little bit more than in 2021. And uh, maybe there's a world where if he's the guy, again, that he can sort of far exceed those expectations. I think there's also a world where without Devontae Adams, everything gets a little bit tougher because you don't have uh, one person draw all the coverage and now if now the number one corner is on Alan Lazard instead of Devontae Adams um, that could make things much more challenging for for Alan as well so uh, I just full wholeheartedly believe that this is going to be a matchup offense where Matt LaFleur is going to earn his money by figuring out the mismatches against the opposing defense whether that's a tight end on a linebacker or running back you know spread out wide or whether that's you know Green Bay maybe doesn't have the advantage of your number one and two wide receivers against your number one and two corners but the number three four five wide receivers even against your number three or four corners, um, I think could be a mismatch against most teams. I, I just think Matt LaFleur is going to live in that realm and trying to find the most mismatches he possibly can against a given opponent. And that's who the game plan is going to go to in that given week. And I think they can have success with that. Yeah. Sean McVay is the best in the league getting, he had the highest percentage. I was just looking at this of times where um, linebackers were covering receivers. And I think that those are the kind of matchups you have to find. He does it by, 
making his tight end sacrificial lambs sometimes like, oh, hey, you, you, it's you against a corner. And now a linebacker is trying to cover Cooper Cup. He yeah. just knows how to play with the rules of the defense. And and I wonder if we see Matt LaFleur try and get into some of those matchup issues. We saw it at times in 2019 and 2020. And, and the, the point you made about Cobb, I think, is really well taken because let's not forget the game he was having when he got hurt. Agreed. He was lighting up the Rams and and got hurt on, the, I believe, on the long touchdown that he scored. Yeah. He did, yeah. And, and so it's like, okay, part of that is because the Rams had to pay so much attention to Devontae Adams, but also it's because Randall Cobb is really tough to cover in the slot. And if Amari Rodgers is going to get some playing time, maybe you can protect Cobb's body if Rodgers can actually just be a, a replacement-level slot receiver. I think playing him to save Randall Cobb's body could be a, a viable solution there as well. Andy, I appreciate it, man. Um, thanks for coming on the show and we will, uh, we'll talk during the season. I'm sure. Can't wait. Thanks for having me. And I uh, always appreciate talking Packers with you. All right. Thanks to Andy for joining the show. Great to talk to him. Um, I, I thought that was a really fun and interesting conversation on the roster. I am higher on Darnell Savage than, than a lot of people. I think I probably would have graded Darnell Savage higher than Andy, but People like our Monday guest, Ben Fennell, also had a lot of issues with the way Savage played. So, look, I'm I'm understanding that that there are a lot of people who have a lot of questions. I don't. Uh, I think the Packers are higher on Savage than maybe the public perception is um, for good or for ill. So that's just an interesting thing. And then the Randall Cobb piece, I think, is fascinating. So um, maybe maybe we are sleeping on Randall Cobb a little bit. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen. Now go make your second listen to Locked On NFL podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. Well, we made it. We've got a summer Friday conversation coming up and it's a it's a fun one. It's a fun one. I don't even want to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, it's a fun one. It's a little different um, from what we normally do. Not in the way that last week's was. I, I hope you you listen to last week's on Title Nine of Lindsay Schnell. This is going to be a football conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I get I get um, a lot of requests to get some more fans, more fan perspective. So, hey, I you asked. I answered. Here we go. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.